Thanks for downloading the audio podcast of this week's sermon. We pray you'll be blessed and encouraged with the words you hear. And so the reason why I I felt that I want to bring this message to you this morning, uh, titled Just Ring the Bell, Um, Esther, when she had her operation on Wednesday week ago, and back up to the ward, back up to her room, and you know the little call button that you have, you know the wee thing that's beside your bed? It wasn't working. And that was fine while I was there or some of the girls, that that was fine because we could sort her out. Um, But the next time one of the nurses came in, Esther said, listen, my wee call bell's not working. And uh, the nurse said, I have the very job for you. So she went away and she brought in this bell. I think some of you have seen it. And honestly, I've seen, it was as big as a church bell. It was massive and it was actually a bell and she was actually to shake this bell and ring it if she needed attention which of course she did have to do a few times at night. She felt a bit bad about it and she tried to ring it. Have you ever tried to ring a bell softly or gently? It's very, very difficult to do. Anyhow, when she needed attention, she had to do that. And it got me thinking about our relationship with God. It got me thinking about, um, about prayer and about, about how we ask God for something. And, and that's, that's where I came up with the title, Just Ring the Bell. And so it's really about our dependency upon God, about our relationship with him. And just like Esther, who could literally do nothing for herself. Any of you who have had major surgery, whether that's hip or knee replacements or heart surgery or whatever it is, you will know that for a period of time you can do absolutely nothing. You are completely and you are totally dependent upon other people. And so Esther, when she needed anything in those, those first couple of um, days in, in hospital, she had to ring the bell for someone to come to her aid. And so we too, we need to recognize that we are helpless in our own strength. And that's really, really difficult to do because nine times out of ten we feel strong. We feel able, we feel competent, we feel confident. I know that there are many times that we don't, and perhaps some of you this morning are feeling um, just so low this morning, and and William touched on that, and I want to touch on that a couple of times as we go through our message this morning. But we really do need to be much more dependent on God than we are. And so when we need him, we, we should simply call out to him. And if we can say it respectively, if we can ring the bell, if there's anything that we need. Now, n- not that God in any way, and that's why I'm saying it respectively, not that God in any way is our, is our slave or our servant or our, or our skivvy in a human sense to, that he's just at our beck and call, that if we beckon him or, or summon him, that he is there at our behest. But rather as a loving father who is always there for us and always willing to help us in our time of need. But then you know what happens, don't you? We gain a little bit of strength. We gain a little bit more confidence. 
a little bit more independence comes our way and then we slowly begin to lose our dependency on God and we become more reliant upon ourselves. And before you know it, away we go and we start to go it alone and we start to do our own thing. Now, is there anyone else like that or is that only me? Because I know that I'm like that at times, that I go far too much in my own strength and my own ability rather than relying upon the Lord. A few weeks back, we had the beautiful weekend with Helen Youssef. We had our Shine Ladies Conference and Helen was with us on the Sunday morning, beautiful morning, um, beautiful ministry of prophecy, um, singing, sharing God's word, just speaking into people's hearts. And one of the things that Helen had shared, I believe on Saturday and perhaps on Sunday morning again, and picked up on it a couple of times, was that she said that God wants us to be more childlike. Now, not childish. We don't want childish people, but we want more childlike people. We all know that children need a lot of care. They need a lot of attention. They need a lot of instruction and they need a lot of guidance and training as they grow up. And at the very start, when a child is born, they are 100% dependent upon us for absolutely everything. And every one of us at one stage in our lives were that child, where we were completely and totally dependent upon our parents. But then, of course, as we get a little bit older and we find our feet and we gain our confidence, we find that we don't need mummy and daddy just as much. And that's good. That's good to a large degree. And that's the relationship that our Heavenly Father wants us to have with Him. Not just at the start of our journey, not just when we become a Christian, when, when, when we become born again, when, when we become that, that spiritual creation, that spiritual baby, but that our relationship with Him isn't just depend on Him at the start of our journey, but every day that we walk with him from the beginning to the end. Simple, childlike faith and trust and reliance. A relationship that is intimate with him, one that is constantly dependent upon his grace and his strength. You see, Jesus gave us the formula for being dependent upon God, and it's this. It's just ask. All you have to do is ask. It seems nearly too simple, doesn't it? The Bible tells us about asking and about seeking and about knocking. Ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened to you. Uh, turn with me please and we'll just we'll read these very words in Matthew 7. Matthew 7 and, and verse 7. This is the Lord Jesus himself speaking to us. I'm reading from the New King James Version. In fact, my subsection says, keep asking. I never noticed that before. Keep asking, seeking and knocking. So Matthew 7, 7 says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks it will be opened. 
For what man is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a, a serpent or a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? So Jesus is making the comparison between us as, as humans, as um, people who need to be regenerated, who are sinful people. Yes, our sins are forgiven, but we do continue to err, don't we? We continue to make mistakes. Some of them are, are, we don't mean to, and some of them we do mean to. Some of them are deliberate. And he's making the comparison here between a perfect heavenly father and a, and a human father. And he's making the, uh, the comparison here that that. There's an evilness in us that, that is innate, that is born in us. Yes, our sins are forgiven, but we are being regenerated as we live our Christian life. Whereas our Heavenly Father is that perfect. He has set the bar. There is perfection with him. And so Jesus is saying, what man is there among uh, you who, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Well, you're not going to give him what is bad for him. You're not going to give him a serpent or a scorpion that will, that will hurt him or kill him instead of a fish that will feed him and do well. So you, give, you know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more does a heavenly, perfect Father, who God Almighty, how much more is he able to give good gifts to his children? Notice, of course, the, the progression gets bolder. First of all, you have the asking, don't you? Politely, reverently, respectfully. You see, asking can be done with minimal effort. And this is the way that God made this type of prayer so that everyone can do it, that everyone can ask. It's easy to ask somebody for something. It's easy to ask God for something. You don't need to be a Bible scholar. You don't need to have a degree in theology to ask God for something. You simply need to be a child. You need to be childlike. It's not complicated prayer. It's not highly spiritual prayer, fancy words or theological jargon. But the type with simple words and childlike faith, easy and uncomplicated praying. That's asking. And then, of course, they're seeking. Well, of course, this means by its very nature that there's more action involved. It's, you're more active. You can't sit and seek at the same time. You have to be proactive. You have to get up off your rear end and you have to get onto your front foot. And you have to put the effort in if you want to seek for something. Seeking takes you out of your comfort zone. And it requires much more effort and determination to find what you're looking for. You see, seeking is much more serious. And then the progression we see here then, there's knocking. This is hard graft. 
You can't knock the door while you're sitting in your armchair. You can't knock the door when you're running about seeking for something. Knocking the door implies a a tenacious boldness that confidently and persistently and loudly bangs on the door until someone answers. For some reason, our doorbell has never worked in our house. We've never felt the need to get it fixed because we've got one of those wrappers. And uh, we can nearly tell who's knocking the door. I don't know if, how you would knock somebody's door. Would it be a wee polite one? Or would it be a real dirty big rap on the door to get your attention? It's knocking and it's banging on the door. It's a bit like a dream that Esther had a few nights ago. And it was so, so real to her. So, of course, you have some medication after the trauma of an operation. And and Esther's not great at taking the more complicated medicine. She would prefer just paracetamol or anodinexia. But, of course, with the pain, you do need something a little bit stronger than that. So they gave her codeine. Well, that wasn't good. So, apparently... Um, she had this dream and it was so, so real. It's been relayed to a few folks who have visited us already. And she was convinced that I was going to smother her. <laughs> Completely convinced. So she got out of bed. She ran down the stairs. She opened the front door. She ran up the street past the first neighbour to the second neighbour, she saw a little bit of light. You know that, just that little thin bit of light in the darkness and you see somebody's up and she rapped the door so loudly to get the person's attention and the person came out and said, Paul is trying to smother me. And then she looked round and I was out picking up litter up the street. This was how crazy the dream was. And then when she woke, she looked over. (laughs) And I was snoring. She says, he's only pretending. (laughs) Anyhow, I think she eventually did get to sleep. And of course it was a dream, a nightmare. But she banged on that door to get that person's attention. You see, knocking is the type of prayer that doesn't take no for an answer. Just like the woman who kept pestering the unjust judge who the gospel writer Luke talks about. In fact, will you turn with me please to Luke chapter 18. We'll read a few verses here. Jesus again is, is, is giving a parable, a, a story to, um, to reinforce what he's trying to say about prayer. Luke chapter 18, the parable of the persistent widow. Of course, a a, a widow has been through a lot of trauma. It goes without saying, but a widow in Bible times had a really, really difficult time because the breadwinner uh, was no longer there. Perhaps there was maybe young children to provide for. 
So widows in the Bible had an extremely difficult, difficult time. So Jesus addresses this in Luke 18 and he says, uh, Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, in a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that same town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused. But finally he said to himself, even though I do not fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me or keeps persisting, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me or wear me down. The Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, the son of man comes and will he find faith on earth? Verse one that we read there, Jesus unlocks the secret to successful praying. We should always pray and never give up. Just like that persistent widow. Just like that widow who needed an answer to her situation. <coughs> In other words, we should keep knocking until we get the answer. Now, God does not play a game of guess who with us. I don't know if you have that game in your house. I don't know if you've played it, if your children play it, or whether when you were younger you played it. But if you've ever played Guess Who, you'll know that by using the, the yes and the no questions, the players try to figure out who this mystery character of the opponent is. Well, folks, God does not play guessing games with us. He reveals his nature and he reveals his character to us both through prayer and through his word that we've been reading this morning. He's open and he's transparent about who he is and what he wants to do. But for our part, we have to be persistent in prayer and ask him and seek him and keep knocking the door. And so this morning, just as we uh, go through this message, I want us to look at four brief postures. If you're making notes this morning, four brief postures that, that all have to be in place in our Christian journey at one part or at one time or another. And believe me, these are very simple childlike postures that we need to adopt and the first one is just sit. Just sit. Just like you're doing this morning. Just sit. Just sit still and see how the matter will fall. Have you heard that before? Do you, do you know where that verse is? It's in the book of Ruth. You know the story of Ruth. You know the story of Naomi. Again, we're looking at, uh, at widows here. We're looking at a lady who um, had been married for a short period of time. And then she was widowed. 
and her, her mother Naomi was widowed. And they, Naomi decided to come back to, to the promised land, back into Israel. There was another daughter-in-law and she was widowed too, but she decided to stay in Moab. But Ruth had said, where you go, I will go and your God will be my God. And she stuck with her and she went with Naomi. And in Ruth 3 verse 1, we, we read this powerful advice that Naomi gave to her daughter-in-law Ruth. And it's this, then she said, sit still, my daughter. Sit still until you know how the matter will turn out. For the man will not rest until he has concluded the matter this day. You know the story how Boaz was introduced into the story. This verse, uh, verse 18, when Naomi was advising Ruth to sit still, it was in regard to a, a pending relationship between Boaz, who was not just a wealthy landowner, but was also a relation to, uh, to Ruth and Naomi, a, a kinsman would be the biblical term, would be the Old Testament term, a great term. Um, and so this was all to do with this relationship that was, that was starting to form between these two people. You see, sometimes we need to sit still and wait. Now, I don't know where, where you all are this morning. I don't know where you are in your, in your journey or, or in your work or with your family or with situations. Obviously, I know most of you and I know probably what most of you are going through, but I don't know everything. And I know that there are some folks who have started to come recently to our church and you're so, so welcome. It's lovely to see every one of you this morning. But perhaps for some of you this morning, you've been seeking God and maybe God is saying to you that you need to sit still. That you need to be patient. Just like Ruth was advised to sit still until you see how the matter falls. She was a young and, and dependent person waiting on God who is our kinsman redeemer. And so we too must wait and trust and not to try to open doors that aren't ready to open. Somebody once said, if it, if it doesn't open, it's not your door. Now, I don't know about you, but I have several times in the past in my journey, especially my journey into ministry and my journey in ministry, sometimes I've tried to open doors that I shouldn't be opening. I've tried to open doors and they're not my door. Does that make sense? And the problem is if you keep forcing a door that shouldn't be opened, you're going to open a can of worms. And maybe for somebody this morning here or listening uh, through our Zoom or on podcast later, maybe God is saying to you this morning, sit still. I don't know. If that's for you, please accept it. Then there's the be still and know posture. Be still and know posture. And perhaps for some this morning, and this is maybe me a wee bit, you ever have ants in your pants? I don't mean literally. You can't sit still. You have to be. This is Esther's biggest frustration at the moment. She can't. Oh, she just would love to be doing everything. Of course she can't. And sometimes we need to adopt this be still and know 
posture. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know the presence of God, the Holy Spirit around us. Being still and knowing that he is God, just as King David encourages us to do in Psalm 46, where you find that verse. Got me thinking about Mary and Martha, the two sisters, the sisters of Lazarus. These were great friends of Jesus. Jesus was human, you know. Jesus got tired. He got hungry. He got frustrated. He got let down. But he needed friends. He needed friendship. The disciples, there were 12 of them, but there were three who he was particularly close with. Peter, James, and John. John, we believe, was the closest earthly friend of Jesus. But he had great friends in, in Mary, Martha, and Lazarus who lived in Bethany. Jesus would often have withdrawn from the crowds and would have spent time in their home. Made me think this morning of, of Mary. Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus. You've all seen the picture She's just sitting there, kind of looking up into the eyes of Jesus. And he's talking, and Martha is scurrying about. She's running about in the, in the kitchen, and she's flapping. And then she gives off to Jesus. But who chose the better part? Mary, because she was sitting still. The second posture that we need to adopt at times is just stand. Just stand. Stand firm. Stand tall. Now just like this guard who you can see in the image. <clears throat> For those of you who are listening online, it's a, it's a picture of a, a, a soldier with a big fluffy, what do you call those? Big hats that they have. Busby, right? Okay, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> With a big Busby on his head, and it must have been a hot day, and you've got a policeman giving him a drink of water. Because those guys are not allowed to move, sure they're not. Is it Mr. Bean? Is it one of those Mr. Beans that uh, tries to make him laugh or move or whatever? Just like this guard, the going can get tough at times, especially when the, the heat is on. That's obviously a very hot day. But when the heat is on in our, in our lives and in our circumstances and our situation, when, when the temperature's turned up, we need a helping hand. We need somebody to come and help us to keep standing strong. I don't know if you get our newsletter or not. I hope you do. There are always physical copies, but there are probably 100 plus are emailed. And if, you, if you're new or if you haven't as yet and you want to get a copy of our uh, newsletter emailed to you, uh, Anne Woody, would you stand up, please? I know I'm embarrassing you. Thank you very much. Anne, you do a fantastic job. You really do. Here's what Anne said, and she always brings a little thought. Driving through Bushmills, this is what she said on Friday in the newsletter. Driving through Bushmills this week, two words from a sign caught my eye. Stand firm. I was heading to Port Ballantrae when I got out of the car at the beach. I stood for a moment and just watched the massive waves crashing against the rocks. It reminded me that we who are in Christ need to stand firm in our faith 
Just as those rocks which are being beaten by the strong waves were unshaken and unmoved, no matter what size of waves hit them, they stood firm. Why, says Anne, because they were firmly grounded on like the sand which was being carried away by the same wind which was causing the huge waves. Thank you, Anne, for that. Thank you for all that you do. And yes, I believe that there could be somebody here this morning and God would say to you, keep standing. Keep standing. Stand firm in your faith and your reliance upon God. Stand strong in his strength and not yours. Ephesians 6, that great chapter, talks about the importance of standing, but also the necessity of putting on the armor of God. You know it well. So just stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord. That is, that's a great verse that we get from Exodus 14 when Moses again was leading the people. They weren't long out of Egypt and they were faced, they were between a rock and a hard place. They were between the Red Sea and the Egyptian army who were pursuing them on the other side and they had nowhere to go and Moses said to them he said stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord folks stand firm and you will see the salvation of the Lord our third posture that I would like us to consider this morning and again I want you to see the progression in these postures because we've started with with sitting about sitting and being still then we've talked about standing and standing firm and standing rock solid and the third posture is just walk you see sitting is fine and standing is fine and they have their place as, as temporary postures. But there comes a time when we need to start walking. There comes a time where we need to start putting the miles in, where we need to, to start doing something. You see, if you sit in one place for too long, you'll, you'll seize up. Just ask somebody who has had knee surgery. Just ask a, a physio uh, like, like Sandra. You need to... You need to exercise, you need to, you need to keep going, otherwise you will seize up. And that's why the skateboard has, has come in well and, and, and why you have to try and walk the stairs and up and down and, and exercise. Because sitting still or, or standing in one place is fine as a temporary posture, but it's not a good thing to stay in that position. You see, we need to walk in the light. And we need to walk in fellowship. Walking in the light talks about how we conduct ourselves as Christians to the world. The light in the darkness. And walking in fellowship is how, what we're doing this morning where we fellowship with our church family. And both go hand in hand. The Apostle Paul calls it walking circumspectly. It's a word that you wouldn't hear too often today. Circumspectly. Not as fools, he says, but as wise. What does that mean? It means walking or it means... So what does it mean by walking? It, it's, it's living. That's the interpretation of it. It's, it's living our lives. It's walking our Christian life 
wisely, morally uprightly, and cautiously. That when people see us outside who do not believe as yet in the Lord Jesus Christ, that they will be encouraged, that they will be, they will be drawn to the Lord because of how we live our lives before them. The Apostle John teaches us in, in his first letter, in his first chapter, he says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all of our sin. Sitting still and knowing God's presence is special. And we long for that. We long for that personally in our own personal, private, quiet times. And, and there are occasions where it's right to have that within the context of a, a meeting or, or a midweek or even a, a life group or, or, or a youth, unite youth meeting or whatever. There are times when that is right. But then there comes a time when we need to rise up and we need to stand tall. But then there comes a time where we need to advance from standing to walking, where we walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, standing strong and walking uprightly for the Lord. Lastly, <clears throat> just finish. Now maybe that's what you're saying to me this morning. <laughs> Paul, just finish. Wrap it up. Just finish. To be honest, in everything that I'm saying this morning, this is the bit that I really felt so strongly about. And that's why, and I struggled with time during the week, as you can appreciate, I resisted the temptation to pick up an old message and look at it and tweak it and fine-tune it. And, I, and I'm sure most of you wouldn't have known if that would have been the case. But I knew that God wanted to speak to some people fresh this morning. And so I really feel that there's somebody who needs to hear this, somebody who has doubts that they will finish the race. Now, that's a serious feeling to have. That's a, that's a serious position to be in if you, if you feel that that you cannot or that you will not finish the race. And I, I get it. I, I understand it. And you might say, Paul, how can you understand because you don't know what I'm going through? Yes, I don't know what you're going through. But all I know is that when we were going through our tough time about 10, 12, 15 years ago through business with the, with the crash and, and the recession and where, where everything that we had built our strength and our reliance upon in business was literally swept away from us and our house was swept away too and we had, we had nothing really left in, in life other than our dependency. And God, I understand when things are at rock bottom, it might be different to what you're facing this morning. There's maybe somebody and you're just feeling so wearied. Honestly, it's just so wearied and so tired. You're just, you're plain exhausted. You're, you're at the end of your tether. And perhaps even ready to give up. 
But I would say to you this morning, and, and God would say to you, and his word would say to you, don't throw the towel in. Don't do it. Don't throw the towel in. Don't give up. You can finish the race. Our church motto that we, uh, as a leadership, um, brought to the church at the start of the year, we put it up again on our social media and our church Facebook page during the week just to remind folks of it. Our 2024 motto, <clears throat> it should be in the, um, in the newsletter. And again, look, look on our Facebook page. Or if you want it sent to you, as a, it, we have it as an image. The battle is the Lord's. And it's taken from Chronicles, 2 Chronicles 20:15. This is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours, but the Lord's. You see, the same God who saved you has promised to keep you. The same God who promised that the good work that he started in you, he's promised that he will complete it. God who started this, this great work of grace and salvation in you and in me. He's not just going to let you down now. You see, he started the work. He initiated the plan. Even before the foundation of the world, it was him who knew that he would come to you and that he would draw you with his everlasting love and that he would save you and that by grace you would respond through faith and give your life to him. He who began a good work will bring it to completion. He's a faithful God. Yes, he? Don't we sing, he's a faithful God? Don't we sing, he's a good, good father? I love that song. He's a good, good father. Maybe I should have picked that Adele as the one to close with. I don't know. I'll leave it up to you. And in those times when you just can't go on, do you know what he does? Do you know what he will do? Do you know the story of the footprints in the sand? I'm sure everyone knows it. So I'm not going to tell it again. If you don't know it, I'll tell it to you at the door. How's that? In those times when you can't go on, he will pick you up and he will carry you through. And that's why there's only one foot, set of footprints in the sand at times because they're his. They're not yours. They're not yours because he's abandoned you. They're his because he has lifted you and he has carried you and he will bring you through. Just like that beautiful, beautiful um, song, that hymn, and I'll quote it just in a few moments uh, when, we, when we finish about looking to Jesus and the promised land. But as I start to bring this to a close, Paul encourages us with these words of encouragement and comfort and dependency on God. He's writing to his young prodigy, Timothy, and he says this, I am being poured out like a drink offering. The time of my departure is near. 
I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but to all of those who long for his appearing. Paul is being opened and he's being transparent when he talked about being poured out as a drink offering. What's the context here? He's alluding to the fact that the offerings of wine that had to accompany every sacrifice under the old covenant. An offering was not complete until the drink offering was given. And here Paul is using this terminology where it's poured out. Paul here in 2 Timothy senses the end of his ministry and comparing his efforts to a wine poured out of a vessel on the altar. And he could confidently say as he looked with his mind's eye, with the eye of faith to that golden shore, he could say, I have fought the good fight. I finished the race. I have kept the faith. Faith. Folks, as I bring this to land, and I will, all we have to do is ring the bell. All we have to do is just ask the Lord for his strength and his help to get us through the day, to get us through that trial. The asking, the seeking, the knocking, ringing the bell and asking for his help like, like a simple childlike faith. And he will bless you and he will strengthen you. And if need be, he will pick you up and he will carry you when times get tough, just like a good shepherd would do with one of his sheep that is struggling. So folks, that's our simple postures that we find ourselves at various times in our walk of sitting still, of standing firm, of walking in the light and walking in fellowship. And also, as we finish the race, as we cross that finishing line to glory, remember, oh, remember how much he really loves you. And your reward for your faithfulness from the righteous judge will be your crown of righteousness. And it will be worth it all when he welcomes you with these beautiful words, well done, thy good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of of the Lord, and this is what I'm closing with, and it's the little hymn that I referred to a second ago. What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see, when I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace, when he takes me by the hand and he leads me to the promised land. What a day! Oh, what a day. What a glorious day that will be. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. If you would like any more information, have a look at our website at www.ballymoneyelam.com.